Welcome back to the Liberty on Fire podcast. I'm your host, Libertarian Tony. Well, if this is your first time listening to this show, well, thank you very much. And if you are a repeat listener, well, then I also want to say thank you for coming back and listening to each and every show. Please don't forget to visit my website when you get a chance, libertyonfire.org, where you can get the podcast directly over the internet and links to support pages for the show to help keep the lights on and for some of the products that I'm going to recommend who I happen to be an affiliate marketer for. So if you want to support the show and you're interested in some of the products that I'm helping to promote, then go to my website and either make a donation on the Patreon page, which of course will also be in the show notes, or check out some of the products I'm advertising and see what you think. But remember to click on it through my link at my website or through the show notes. If you are a social media person, well then you can also check me out on Twitter at LOF Podcast. So that's L-O-F Podcast. And please don't forget to give me a five-star review on Apple Podcast or whatever medium you're using to download and listen to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Hey, Joey, welcome back to the Liberty on Fire podcast. How are you doing? I'm not doing that great because I can't believe you made me watch that Democratic debate. I know. It was pretty painful. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to take that back. I think it was the most entertaining one so far. Yeah, it was pretty. It was kind of like a... A WWE match to me. It was just, man, they, they were like bringing out the swords and stabbing people left and right. Yeah, it was. It was definitely, I think, the harshest one. Um, some of the other debates were just, I mean, really boring. This one was shorter, so that was good. Uh, I I never watch it the night of. I always wait until it comes out on like YouTube the next day because normally they cut out all the commercials and the fluff. And you can still see the whole debate, and it just seems like it goes faster. So, I don't know, I think this one was like an hour and 40 minutes or something, and the others have been like three hours, which is ridiculous. Mm. Three hours? My God, who watched all that? Uh, I did, unfortunately, a bunch of those. Jeez. I don't know, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's. Yeah, that's usually, usually you're the one who, who does that, and you and you kind of take one for the team, and you watch it, and that's where I hear about it. I hear about it from you. Okay, I think a lot of people do because we do have thousands of listeners, and you know I can't imagine that they all have time to watch these debates. So I'm, I'm going through this painful process so that our listeners don't have to. Isn't that nice? Thank you so much. Yep, you're a really <laughs> nice guy. By the way, I didn't watch the whole thing. I really couldn't get through to the end. I mean, it was kind of entertaining, but I just uh, it was like still two hours. So I'm still gonna rely on you. I'm gonna listen to your analysis and on the issues and everything if you were able to grab issues out of that mess and uh, i guess i'll just kind of be here along for the ride and I, I could chime in when when i feel like i can chime in on something okay that's fine i i do have quite a bit to say i go off on a couple of tangents uh for you know i i have kind of prepared some ideas that i want to talk about so i guess first I do want to do a quick rundown on some of the uh, polling data. And, of course, I, I try to go to the same site every time, so I'm not picking and choosing sites so that our, our listeners know that I'm consistent, which I think is is important. So if we look at Real Clear Politics, and this is today, this is February 20th. The debate was yesterday in the 19th. Uh, and I'm looking at Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders 
is this blue chart on this Real Clear Politics poll, and he has done nothing but go up in the past three months. Right now, uh, national polls, this is not the state polls, so national polls, Bernie Sanders is at 28.6%, and Joe Biden is at 17.6%. Joe Biden used to be consistently in the high 20s, and Sanders has just supplanted him. So in, in third place, we have Bloomberg at 159 Elizabeth Warren, whose campaign is pretty much dead, at 123 mm-hmm. Buttigieg at 10.3, and then the rest of them don't really matter. Uh, so that, that's the national polls. And then I guess we could look at Nevada. Nevada, I mean, it has Sanders in front of Biden with a huge lead by 14 points. And then if you do a quickie at North Car- or South Carolina, Biden is still slightly in the lead. Biden is at 24.5, Sanders at 20.8. If Biden is supposed to be the front runner, and he hasn't won a state yet, and he's not going to win Nevada, that doesn't look pretty good for a front-runner, right? I mean, coming into South Carolina, and you haven't even won a state yet. I think we're long past him being considered a front-runner now. Is, uh, where's, is Bloomberg show up on any of these polls? Well, Bloomberg, for some reason, I don't know why, he's not even on the Nevada ballot, right? So that one you can't even count him on. And But now, polling-wise, I don't even see him in here for South Carolina either. So I don't understand all this stuff. I click on the Super Tuesday link, and I'll give you the rundown for Super... T- this. Oh, actually, it goes by state. I don't want to do that. There's just too many damn states to talk about. But it looks okay. like most of the states, Bernie Sanders is in the lead. Yeah, that's what's happened recently, which is part of why I, I didn't quite understand what was going on at the actual debate with who they were attacking if we want to get into that, because that's kind of what I want to comment on myself, where they were, they were going, first off, Biden, I don't even think he really exists anymore. Like to me, he's, he's like the ghost of Biden. He's kind of like, he reminds me of like the Harry Potter ghosts that aren't really there. They just kind of pop out of the walls every now and then and say something random. And you're like, Oh, it's a ghost of so-and-so. And they're not really existing. That's kind of Biden right now. It's the ghost of Biden comes out sometimes to say a few things. I know. Well, I was going to save Biden towards the end, but I could totally just do Biden right now. I mean, there isn't much to say about creepy old Uncle Joe. He kind of, again, looked like the stumbling and stuttering old frail guy who was out of touch. Talked about being like a career politician, like as if that's a good thing. And he kept bringing up Obama and the Obama administration for his successes. I know I felt bad about that because it was like he was trying to remind people like, hello, I'm the uh, vice president of, uh, you know, the Obama administration. Anybody? Uh, Obama? Do you do you remember me? Or, you know, it's <laughs> pathetic. I think Obama, you know, he still hasn't given him and he's not going to give him his endorsement. So that's kind of game over. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty pathetic. And, and at one point, I don't know if you saw this during a debate. He was like, can I talk now? Yeah. I mean, it's so, yeah. so bad. Um and oh, here's one thing though. I, I did hear Biden is going to be using his blonde leg hair to get the black vote. So I think sometime before Super Tuesday, we might see Biden wearing shorts, or even before South Carolina. But I can't confirm that. So I think certainly before Super Tuesday, we're going to be seeing some naked Joe Biden legs. That could really help him out. You, you might have to elaborate. I have no idea what you're talking about here. Oh, dude. It's a, okay. So yeah, I can do it quickly for the listeners. 
I don't know, some video surfaced a while ago now. This is one of these random Joe Biden videos that surfaced. One was about when he was talking about he fought some guy at a pool. Uh, I forget what his name was. It was Popcorn or some shit like that, right? And then this one, I don't know where how this came out. He was talking about as a kid, he was like a lifeguard. And the black kids would sit next to him and like, like stroke his the blonde leg hair. Uh, oh, I did hear something weird like that on his straight leg. from his like it was real audio. It was the weirdest thing. It was super weird, but I was kind of now used to it because it's creepy Joe. Yeah, so that that's where I was going with that joke, but it went okay. over your head because you forgot. But that's okay. Yeah, that was that was really weird. <laughs> I wonder I wonder how many people heard that. I yeah uh, I don't know. I think a lot of people did. If they pay attention to politics, these things came up because it was so odd. It was hard not to pay attention to. Yeah, and if you haven't, um, if you don't know what we're talking about, I don't know how you looked that up, but I think it's probably easy to find. You just put Biden and leg hair, and I'm sure it'll come up. Well, just like uh, Pence is is not human; he's robot. Uh, Biden is now ghost. Ghost Biden. That sounds right. Yeah, I think he's probably done. He's not really there, but he's just kind of appears, but he's not there. But uh, you know what got me, and I think a lot of people are talking about it on other podcasts, is the decision to assassinate Bloomberg by everyone there. Mm. And I don't know why they're so threatened. It's it's Bernie, who's the front runner by far, like you said. Are they threatened by Bloomberg? And why of all people did Elizabeth Warren have a pre like set plan to just obliterate him? And Bernie goes untouched by her. He, like Bloomberg's not in her, you know, alley of she's trying to take on the the Bernie kind of crowd and Bernie's her competition. Mm. And she like you said, she's dead already. The only shot she has is taking over Bernie and she just kinda lets him off the hook. I mean, maybe they are they gonna team up? Is that what's going on? Well, that's a good thought. I mean, I mentioned that on a prior podcast that, you know, I think some of these candidates, especially like Warren and Klobuchar, if they even want to stay relevant, they're probably going to have to form some sort of an alliance and sooner better than later, because uh, the longer that this drags on, I think the more and more they're going to keep splitting delegates and they're going to have trouble getting to that magic number. And you're going to end up with some sort of brokered convention. And then who knows, right, at that point? Who knows what will happen? Nobody does. It's all, uh, I guess it's all just people spitballing, right? It's like, okay, if it's brokered and they steal from Bernie, then the party fractures, and then what happens, right? Or if if Bernie does get it and the, the big money donors don't want him to get it, then what happens? I mean, who knows? Um, but before we get into more details, I did want to, I, I had, a quick pre-debate message, right? And one was on Bloomberg and one was on Bernie. So the pre-debate message, I think I was getting from Bloomberg, you know, I don't know, like a past week or past couple of weeks, was that we can do a lot, but not everything Bernie wants. And But this message isn't very motivating, right? Bernie's people aren't concerned with compromise. They don't want the safe guy like the establishment wants, they want it all. And I think little Mikey doesn't understand that, right? It, this this halfway message from Bloomberg is, although it's more reasonable and practical, it's not going to fly with this new party. Mm-hmm. And Bernie's message, you know, leading up to the debate has been something like, we can do it all. We can defeat Trump. We need to have a revolution. 
that's basically his message, and it's much more uplifting to the emotional and economically ignorant people. So I think that it's just coming into it, it's, it's energizing his base more. So anyway, I kind of just wanted to start with that idea before we got into the analysis. What did you think about that? It, maybe I was wrong before on all this because I had thought originally that someone moderate was just going to destroy. This was a long time ago, you know, because the a lot of these people are, are way too radical in their ideas. And if there's just someone moderate, that they would really win over the the majority of the Democrat voters because they're not as radical maybe as as it seems. That's what I originally thought, and I maybe we're wrong because of like what you just said is true, but I can't quite tell because they haven't put a good candidate out. It's kind of like the Libertarian Party on our side, right? Uh, we uh, we like the Libertarian values and a lot of things they say, but they can't field a good Libertarian. They always feel these piece of crap Libertarians, uh-huh. you know. So it's it might be something like that 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 happened here because Biden is Ghost Biden. He's super old. He, he's super. He's mumbling all over the place. He's really creepy. And Obama doesn't even support him. That was your only moderate guy. In Bloomberg. He did say reason. He was being reasonable. He was saying like, you know, first off, you know, we can't just just because we want these things doesn't mean they're going to happen. They have to pass Congress, right? He he brings up a lot of points like that. But he came in late. He came in as a you know super billionaire who's trying who uh, they can kind of say that he's buying votes and he's just trying to buy his way in here. And it's easy for his uh, opponents to say that about him. And then he has all this crap that uh, Elizabeth Warren just murdered him with and all these. NDA stuff about and the the stuff he said nasty about women before, and he's just getting destroyed on it. And I don't think it looks well at all. So the the way he entered and some of the baggage that apparently he has and doesn't have a good defense for, it just didn't work. So I don't know if it's if it's that the moderate talk doesn't fly anymore at the party or not, or if it's that the they never fielded a legit good uh, moderate candidate. Okay, so a couple of quick things. One was on the Libertarian candidates back in 2016. Uh, a couple were might have been decent if they actually let them get votes, but Gary Johnson was horrible. Right. And Gary Johnson is not a Libertarian on the Libertarian ticket. I mean, Yeah, and that, that might be my uh, analogy to this. Oh, God, he was so bad. Um, anyway, so this year, they're probably— I think Jacob Hornberger might win it for the Libertarian Party. So he's actually really good, and— He's been basically writing articles on uh, libertarian, I guess, philosophy and things like like taking on all the issues for like the past 20 years. And finally, he decided to run. So he'd be like a like the, the number one pick for most, you know, libertarians anyway. But that's a whole separate issue. So, at the, at, yeah, you're right. At the beginning of this debate, Bernie Sanders went after Bloomberg right away on the stop and frisk, uh, stop and frisk thing. And then uh, Elizabeth Warren piled on. And went after him about harassing women and being a sexist and basically ended up calling him, I don't know if you remember that part, an arrogant billionaire. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, if you haven't seen it, people should probably kind of watch those highlights because that was pretty, it was pretty bad. It was, it was basically a scalping, right? Yes. It's like she took a tomahawk and chopped him at the knees, which, yes. which mm-hmm. overall is kind of overkill because he's, he's already short. It was, it was a savage takedown of Minnie Mike. Yeah, it was. And he wasn't, it's like he wasn't ready for it or something. I mean, yeah. it, it was, he didn't really have a great answer and he really came off bad, which is unfortunate because I don't think people are going to watch this whole kind of thing, like two hours of this, but you might watch the first 30 minutes. So you saw that. 
And then that might have been all you saw of him. Because afterwards, Bloomberg was actually pretty, you know, I think, pretty good some parts. And he had the funniest moment of the night, too. And when, when he's like, you want to talk about business? Um, I, I believe I'm the only one here who started a business and looks at everyone. And <laughs> everyone's silent. It was so funny. And then he goes, okay. <laughs> that was a really funny moment, actually. So I was going to add one last Native American reference in there is that you, you could see his campaign slogan being Geronimo. I don't know. What? That wasn't that yeah, funny. Maybe it would be funnier. But <laughs> it's, it's too late now. I know, I know. But I kept trying to think of all these Native American Indian things for her anyway. Uh, I'll just move on. So, yeah, it looked bad for him. I, I would say overall it was a disaster. I wouldn't say overall. I, I liked the, him towards the end. You think so? Yeah, I think so. I think he was. I think he was standing up for himself a little bit at the end. Now it's hard to remember what exactly. Uh, I suppose. I think overall, overall it was bad in my opinion. Um, I mean, later on, like you said, the Warren attacked him again on the non-disclosure stuff and about using this like money to shut up these people who had an issue with him. And I mean, most of the debaters also piled on him with that part as well. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have a good answer. He needs to just, he, when he said the thing about, I'm the only one in here who's who's created a business and stuff like that, that was really good. They were all completely silent. Um, he just needed to stick stick up for himself and really like, when they brought stuff like that, he should just answer back like, you know, um, there's NDAs in business all the time. As soon as you guys, you know, have done anything in business yourself, then you can talk. But for now, like you guys can't say anything. You have no idea what you're talking about. He needed to be tough and just and just kind of own up to himself. You know, if they hit Trump with that stuff, it wouldn't it would have came off like Teflon and Trump owns up to who he is. I mean, Bloomberg wasn't ready. No. He he wasn't coached right or something. He he should have whoever his handlers are and I, I mean everybody, they all have people that are helping them for these things. It's they he did, they didn't prepare him for that sort of onslaught. And yeah, I mean, so I guess this kind of brings this kind of brings my theme back into it now a little bit from the, the pre-debate was that I, I think many consider this like a fight still between primarily Bernie and Bloomberg. And is, is it going to be Bernie or is it going to be the billionaire Bloomberg? Is it, is it going to be rigged against Bernie Sanders again all over like 2016? So, I mean, you basically have these two old white guys. One's a millionaire and another's a billionaire. Both have these identities which just don't sit well with the you know the modern Democratic Party, two old, rich, white guys. So any any diversity has been completely tossed out at this point. At least Tulsi Gabbard, you know, was part Samoan and had like a Polynesian cultural background, but they won't even let her on the stage. So, yeah, I mean, we've got evidence of some of Bloomberg's you know sexist statements coming out on YouTube and on videos and. Uh, we've seen debate uh, or in debate that Bloomberg really has, he's got no personality and it doesn't look like he could buy one either with his billion dollars. He stated on camera in the past that stopping frisk was good because it targeted minorities. I mean, some really bad statements for someone running on a Democratic ticket. So, I mean, regardless of whether he thinks it was necessary because they were, you know, I guess... The majority of the crime was happening in these uh, minority areas. I mean, it's kind of irrelevant. The optics are horrible for him. And the politics is pretty much about optics and sound bites, right? So these videos circulating about him, I mean, give him a huge fail with both women and minorities. 
And it, it certainly seems like this party has moved to be a party of minorities and victim groups. So, and many of these mm-hmm. voters just consider themselves victims in some way. So Bloomberg is going to have some serious trouble with minorities in these supposed victim groups now. I guess some other problems for Bloomberg, it looks like he's controlling the press and suppressing free speech. So I think basically if you work for him and you say something bad about him, you can get fired. And if you don't work for him, but you have a conflict with him, then through these NDAs and other things, he basically pay you to shut up. I mean, those those are the optics, whether they're true or not. And I think also another video surfaced where he's basically calling farmers stupid. I don't know if you saw that one, but that's just an example of his elitism and his narcissism. I mean, he thinks he's better than everyone else, and this really does not appeal to his this new Democratic Party, which is full of like these victimhood factions. I agree. His the bad optics are especially bad fit in this Democrat Party and the and the voters and what they like to see and what they like to go on how they feel and not really look through some of the some of the surface stuff. And that's why I'm wondering why he's considered the main opponent to Bernie. What is there data backing this at all? Well, no. Other than him pouring, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars into the race, and you, I mean, you see an ad like every ten seconds on YouTube. And um, I guess on, he's, I think he's on Twitter, and he's probably all over the channels. I don't watch the regular TV channels as much. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's ads everywhere. So I, I think just because of the money behind his campaign, he's probably the biggest threat. I don't think so, though. I mean, that's the thing is these things happen every four years. So you get, you know, in four years down the road, especially in this last couple of decades, made it makes major differences as far as uh, internet and, and out and then the reach that different social media sites happen. I mean, just over like a, a 10 year span, everything's different as far as marketing goes on TV versus YouTube and stuff like that. So you're seeing ads on TV and maybe that was big back in the day because the reach wasn't as big. You hear someone and you need a commercial to learn about them. That's not the case anymore. We know who Pete Buttigieg is and, and Warren is. Without commercials, you don't need you don't need to pay for ads the same way you do to to learn about these people. So we all know who they are through whatever we see clips of them on on Twitter. Different clips that go viral here and there have nothing to do with paying for marketing. Podcasts now are all over the place. Podcasts didn't exist ten years ago, really. I mean, if they did, it was just like one or two people. Now they're everywhere, and you get to hear about every one of these candidates from them. So paying for ads doesn't have the same effect. It's almost old school. Like this guy, you know, he didn't realize he, he's just throwing out his money, and I don't think it's gonna have a big impact. So if we're, if we're looking at just the fact that he's buying commercials as he must be a front runner, I think that's a dated way of thinking. Yeah. I don't think it's going to do anything. And I think it might, it, it, it actually has the opposite. I think it looks bad. Everyone can see, oh, this billionaire guy is just coming in there and throwing money down at a bunch of ads and thinking he's going to buy himself into one of the front runners. Well, I don't think any of it's working. We'll see. Let me, let me hit you with something else now. So, yeah, all these things look bad for Bloomberg. But he can basically stay in the race as long as he wants because he has unlimited money compared to everybody else. So if Bloomberg doesn't win the Democratic primary, he could potentially run as an independent against both Trump and Bernie Sanders. I mean, he has the money to do that. He could pull like a Ross Perot and steal votes from Trump just to hurt him if he wanted to. Like, or 
if the DNC steals it from Bernie and hands it to Bloomberg, well, then I, I guess you might get the whole fracturing of the party, and then Bernie could run off on his own, possibly form his own Democratic Socialist Party, because he has tons of individual donations, and he has a huge ground game of support to do that. And here's another or. Or there's some sort of black swan thing going on in the background where Hillary jumps back in, or another black swan event where Michelle Obama comes in, like you said a long time ago, and she could sweep it all for herself, because then Bernie would have some serious trouble with Michelle Obama, right? Because she would instantly get the black vote, he can't really go after her about being a millionaire because he's a millionaire too. And he can't really go after her about experience because then she could just say, like, well, I have eight years of being in the White House with Barack Obama. That's my experience. So, I mean, those are some things to consider. I mean, there might be long shots, but I mean, it's, it's possible, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, if she wanted to, she would win. But I think you kind of said it last time where... Why would she want to? She her life's probably so good. Why does she want to get involved and get into this drama and age like you know twenty years faster now? Because she has all this stress. There's no point. Like you said before, you kind of convinced me on that. Yeah, no, you're right. I was just throwing it back out there that these are some possibilities. I doubt the Obamas want to get back in the White House. Hillary is like foaming at the mouth for it, but who knows if she's going to get back in. I don't know. I think she's she's not getting any younger, and she hasn't gotten any healthier over the past four years, that's for sure. I thought another bad moment for Bloomberg was when he spent like 10 minutes apologizing for a program that worked, the whole stop and frisk thing. That's what I meant. Yeah, he should have just owned up to himself. I mean, it's so easy to just look in and recite the stats of crime dropping. Right. I mean, did it save black lives? Yes. Was it unconstitutional and did it violate the rights of many minorities? Yes. So this is like the age-old discussion of the role of government. You have to be careful about what you ask the government to do because government is force. That's all it knows. If you don't comply, you go to jail. If you resist, then the government can legally shoot you. Government is a hammer and views all these issues that come up as a nail. And this is the catch-22 of the problem of asking government to solve things. Can government do it? Maybe. If they try, here's what usually happens. Like, number one, it's going to cost way more than the market would be able to provide it for, and it's going to be filled with waste, fraud, and abuse. I mean, there's a reason why those terms are ubiquitous and thrown around so much when it comes to government, because it's true. And number two, It'll end up violating your rights one way or another. So if you're a black kid, you might get thrown up against a wall and frisked. If you aren't in this, you know, frisk category, then we need to steal your money in taxes in order to pay to throw up these kids against a wall and frisk them. And so, and here's the big kick in the balls for the minorities. Not only are their rights being violated, but they're paying for it too. Well, I have a few commercials for you guys. I'm an affiliate marketer for several different companies, which I do recommend if you're interested in such products. And you have my word that I'm only going to promote stuff that I actually use and that I actually think is a great value. So I want to tell you a little bit about Captivate FM. I use Captivate FM as my podcast hosting platform, and it's probably the best podcast hosting platform there is. Captivate is said to be the apple of podcast hosting, and the value is certainly undeniable. And you can get seven free days just for trying it out. 
I host my podcast through Captivate, which is the world's only growth-oriented podcast host, and you can too. Next up is the McClanahan Academy. So this is at mclanahanacademy.com, and that's M-C-C-L-A-N-A-H-A-N. And a little bit about Brian McClanahan, who created this academy. He's an author of six books and a renowned historian. He got his Ph.D. in history at the University of South Carolina. He has written numerous articles for many websites and magazines. He has nine courses for sale right now on his website covering pre- and post-Civil War American history. And he's a fantastic historian and will give it to you straight. And the next product I want you to check out is called Liberty Classroom. And you can go to libertyclassroom.com to take a look. And you can get the history and economics they didn't teach you in school. Several fantastic historians and economists have courses on this site, which you can play over the internet or through a phone app on such topics as philosophy, American history, Western civilization, the American presidents, and the interesting connection between science fiction and liberty. You can also get courses on history of economic thought, current economic thought, and remember, this is the true history you didn't get in school without the political correctness that we all love to hate. And please remember, if you're going to try out any of these products, I only get credit if you click on one of them through either my website or through the show notes on my podcast. Okay, now let's get back into the show. Like you said before, can we say anything good about Bloomberg? I think he had a couple of comments, and one that you mentioned was that uh, when, when he said, is, is anybody else on stage ever uh, started a business? And it was really quiet, so that, I thought that was kind of good. I don't know if it was enough. I don't know if it was enough to redeem his night, but the other thing was that I think he came out early on and said that he didn't think Bernie could beat Trump. So that, that, I think that was probably important to get that out there. And he also basically called Bernie a hypocrite, which he is. That he has, he's a millionaire with three houses. He could basically sell his houses and give all his money away to the government, but he never will because socialism is for the masses, not for the socialists, right? The socialists want to keep their money in their power. But that was really it. I didn't really notice anything else that I was kind of like, oh, yeah, good job, Bloomberg. It's just, they were, yeah. the events of Bloomberg doing well and at debate were so far and few between. It was overall, that's why I think it was a disaster. He he came off better towards the end to me. Like he he started having a little more energy, sticking up for himself, fighting back a little bit. Um, I was kind of disappointed when they they someone started. I think one of the Marius started bringing up climate control or, or something to do with global warming. And I think he was the first one to start on that. And he starts out with, "It's an existential threat," or someone did. I don't know. They all jumped on board with that though. It's it's like if you listen to these guys, it's a it's a they literally are telling you that it's a crisis that we need to be solved in the next ten years or it's doom for humanity. I'm kind of sick of hearing that 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 narrative. We're all, it's not even like, oh, it's bad for our grandkids. You know, we really got to solve it now because we're heading the wrong way. They're saying it's it's a humanity crisis within the next 10 years. Right. Uh, I mean, from what I remember, they, they first started talking about like all the coal plants that can be shut down and then talking about how many more coal plants they wanted to shut down and that they want to ban fracking. Yeah, that's the thing. Bloomberg did stick up for fracking a little bit. I mean, he's the only one honest about that. And he's the only one I've ever heard in this entire time mention that the majority, he, it was barely he mentioned it, but the but the majority of these emissions are coming from China and India. But that was like said in like in like just barely like a little passing comment. Yeah, it's, I don't think the people in the party, the voter, I don't think they care, right? 
whether it's another country, they just want us to do it all, right? They think we need to act, and if we don't, the the planet's going to explode or something. Yeah, I mean, but that should be, like, the main topic should be not what we do. How do we get India? How do we get China? I mean, is not is no one reading the reports that the U.S. has lowered carbon emissions, you know, after the last two years at least, and we're, we're lower than anybody else or, you know, all the— countries that we were signed up with the Paris Accords have all it's increased for them US is like the only one leading the way lowering yeah no I I wouldn't be surprised if the those politicians didn't know anything about the research or like or anything about the actual numbers uh, coming down for the United States that it just doesn't it doesn't matter to them because they're gonna lie about it anyway because it's not about saving the planet it's about the government being able to collect another tax another way to get separate you from your money and give the government, give them more power. That's what it's all about. They don't care about saving the planet, trust me. I mean, there, there's certainly no consensus science statement that says that there is a crisis and that we have to act now. Maybe you have a couple of scientists saying that, but there's no consensus statement. And, uh, I mean, Klobuchar at one point talked about a carbon tax uh, and then Elizabeth Warren talked about environmental justice, whatever the hell that is. So, yeah, these people uh, are not serious about, I guess, trying to save the planet or save the world. If you listen to them on stage, there is consensus among scientists that we have 20 years to live. Otherwise, it's it's doomsday. And like you said before, and you've said it a bunch of times. If that's the case, whenever we get to this climate topic and they start saying it, it's we're screwed in 10 years, 20 years, why are we talking about anything else? That's right. Yeah. I mean, if the planet's going to die, right, basically that's what you're saying. Like life on this planet will be uh, uninhabitable yeah. because of what we're doing to it. Well, then there's no point in talking about the minimum wage. Yeah. You're, 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 either, you're either extremely exaggerating or we're wasting a lot of time talking about, yeah, minimum wage. I'm, I'm going to pivot us quickly just to move us along on to Warren, I guess. So other than attacking pretty much everybody on stage except for Biden, I don't think she did. That was wild. Yeah. She brought out, she whipped out both tomahawks, was dual, dual wielding them, throwing them with accuracy into everyone's hearts, <laughs> chopping them up. I mean, yeah. this this is the woman who has a plan for everything. Uh, but I, I, again, I find this whole bit, of reasoning annoying is that these presidential candidates are supposed to have a plan for everything. I mean, like, why? Presidents don't make laws. Congress does. They mm. they can have opinions, but they really shouldn't have a plan for everything because they're not, they're not dictators. They either sign or don't sign the laws that are sent to them by Congress. So again, yeah, that just keeps bothering me. For Warren, other than going pretty hard at some other candidates on stage, uh, to me, she really didn't do anything special, right? Not sure if her image of like an attack dog is going to help her in the polls. I still think her campaign, her campaign is completely over. And the only way she can be in the White House is if she gets on a VP ticket with someone or maybe to be in their cabinet. What did you think of Warren? Yeah, I, that's where I, I, I was confused, like I said, as to what her plan was. She was in attack mode. That was clearly what she was, what she drew up in in the plan. It was to attack everybody except for by, for Bernie, really. But she went after Klobuchar. She went. She wanted to destroy Bloomberg, and she went after uh, Buttigieg, Buttigieg, whatever, whatever his name is. And I'm maybe her idea is, yeah, if I come out 
and show that I can throw my tomahawks, dual wield them, and hit them with accuracy and everybody, that uh, that'll raise my stock. You know, I guess that's her attempt. Otherwise, it was like, let me go in and throw knives at everybody except for Bernie, and then I'm going to join up with Bernie, and we're going to destroy everyone because now he's going to have the female vote. Yeah, unless, you know, behind the scenes, she's already speaking with Bernie and his people, and they're... Have they maybe they formed an alliance and just haven't announced it yet? I mean, that's a possibility. Yeah, uh, that was something that was going around in my head when I was watching it. So I guess uh, Budigeg, you mentioned him. I mean, surprisingly, there really just wasn't that much to see there, right? He had a couple of good lines, but nothing that really stood out, in my opinion. I think Budigeg, sorry, I cut you off. Budigeg, though, to me, he comes off um, intelligent and well-spoken, but also like petty. Yeah, yeah, because at one time, here, here's one of my favorite lines was a petty one, right? He said that we should put someone forth who is actually a Democrat, you know, basically taking a swipe at both Bernie Sanders and Bloomberg, because, you know, Bernie being the Democratic Socialist and Bloomberg, former Republican or whatever he is. He also said that Bernie wants to burn the party down and Bloomberg wants to buy it. So there, that, that was like kind of like the, the quick soundbite, hard hitting, I, I guess, in your face type line. Yeah, it's just I get that, but we're like months too late for that idea. You know, first of all, I don't, I just don't want to see Bloomberg being like the the front runner after Bernie. We'll find out. But as far as his talk about Bernie and socialists, yeah, we all knew that. We were saying it a while ago, but it just doesn't matter now. We're we're months in of Bernie having the runaway lead on all the polls and stuff. So. It's, you know, that's the cats out of the bag for Bernie. Uh, you know, the, the voters are going his way, not Biden. So bringing up the whole, well, we're not socialists. We're, you know, it, it doesn't work anymore. Too late. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think Buttigieg's got some pretty good writers and coaches. You could tell he's pretty, he's pretty well coached. Well, I think he's just, I think maybe he's well coached. I think he just, his IQ is just higher than a lot of other people's in, in the party. I think he just comes off smarter. But he he, st- he didn't put in much of a memorable performance during this debate either, right? So I, it's not like I came away thinking that Budigeg did a great job. I, I overall I thought it was kind of like inauthentic, and he didn't look special. It was he was attacking Klobuchar and not remembering the Mexican president's name, and he really went hard on that. And it was just like, oh, who cares? Oh, but see, I think that's important. So I'll I'll uh, I'll go into Klobuchar next. I think so. Is it a big deal that she forgot his name? I don't know. But maybe it's a fair question. I mean, it kind of proves that maybe she's not ready for prime time. Because in one way, it's like the one of the main jobs of the president is foreign policy. And the only Democrat with sensible foreign policy is not even up on stage. That's Tulsi Gabbard. Right? So they wouldn't let her up there to talk about foreign policy. So, I mean, the president... His main job, like I said, is, is foreign policy or one of his main jobs because you can't have hundreds of people in Congress dealing with foreign leaders. So, that, I mean, that's why our system was, was set up that way, is for the president to be the one meeting with and negotiating with leaders in other countries and conducting foreign policy. And then if he works out a treaty, well, then at that point, you bring it back to the Senate for ratification. So, yeah, I guess Buttigieg kind of tortured her on that a little bit not knowing the president's name. But I think if you're going to be the president of the United States, you kind of have to know those things. And then, oh, this brings up one other kind of funny moment, which I don't know if you caught this. Um, She talked about, or she says this quick line. She says, I believe in capitalism. 
and only like two people in the audience clapped. It was a pretty sad moment. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. I remember her saying the line and it paid attention to the people clapping. But yeah, at least she said it. And I guess her and Bloomberg are the only ones who have something nice to say about capitalism. Yeah, I know. Again, pretty, pretty sad. I guess lastly, I kind of want to talk about Bernie. I guess my take on it and I, I, a little tangent on you know some of the things that he, he still bothers me about and he talks about. Anyway, so... I think Bernie, he keeps saying this, that health care is a human right. I mean, well, is it? I mean, if it's a right, well, then people like doctors and nurses or doctors and nurses are required to provide it. Mm-hmm. Are we to enslave doctors and nurses and other healthcare workers? I mean, Bernie's plan would put all healthcare workers on the government payroll. So millions of new government workers, all paid for with tax dollars, no freedom for healthcare workers to negotiate a salary, or perhaps they won't even get to pick their field of medicine down the road. I mean, that's not a far-fetched future under Bernie. Uh, the doctors would, of course, all immediately unionize. And then, I mean, what does that mean for prices? I mean, have you ever heard of a union causing prices on a good or commodity or service to go down? I mean, it's never happened, and it, it can happen. So this is my little tirade and like how this is how unions negotiate with government, right? And the government's the one who's going to be providing the paychecks here. So union goes to a politician and says, we want to raise or more benefits. And then eventually the politician gives in at some amount less than what was asked for. But how, how is that a negotiation? The politician is supposed to be representing the taxpayers, but he's not negotiating with his own money. He's negotiating with your money. He literally makes promises to these employees, these union people, with someone else's money in exchange for what? For votes. And so, I mean, look how messed up the incentives are. Union rep comes in, says, we want $20 an hour. Politician says, well, I can't do that. But how about $15 an hour? You vote for me next year, and then we get Bob down the street to pay for it all. I mean, does that sound like an honest system to you? No, I, and I always think I like to think of healthcare as a, as a good, obviously. And look, if you if you really needed to, um, you have the emergency rooms. That, that in that case, it's kind of like it's a right because they have to they have to service you there in the emergency rooms. But look what happens when you're there. It's like you can go there and you have to wait like eight hours or ridiculously, you know, long time, maybe not get the best care. But um, you know, I, when I never thought of school and college as a right either to me. It, and it was something that I was incentivized to sort of do as good as I needed to do in high school in order to get a scholarship to go to college because, you know, I didn't think my mom was going to pay for my college and I didn't think I was going to have enough money to go there. So it's kind of like, what what did I need to do? I needed to make the right choice and I needed to do good. You know, I, I'm saying, you know, if you want good health care as well, you, you, a lot of this stuff you should have personal responsibility to try and make some decisions. You, you do the right thing as far as keeping healthy and then kind of look for trying to do good and get a good job that you can afford health care. You know, I don't know. Some of this stuff, it just can't all be rights given to you. It needs to be something that you realize you want and you have to obtain it. So how's the best way I can go about that? And then when you, if you can get that level, you're going to get the most quality stuff, you know, available. Yeah. Per- personal responsibility and self-reliance is just not uh, phrases or terms that the 
Democrat, I guess, the party or maybe the activists in the party or, or a lot, maybe a lot of the, the voters, for all I know, that they even think that those are like important, yeah. right? They they want to sit in their victimhood camps and blame everybody else as opposed to re- taking responsibility for themselves, for the, wherever they are yeah. in life. It, it, it's really an exhilarating bit of freedom to say, wherever I am in life, it's my fault. If I'm mm-hmm. not a billionaire, well, then... I didn't do the things required to become a billionaire, right? If I didn't get that job, well, I didn't really do the things required to get that job. I don't have the skills or um, maybe I should have tried to do, you know, get take less money or something and, and I could have had that job. I don't know. Just, you, you have to stop blaming everybody else. And that's where I don't think that party long-term can actually ever succeed is because you're never going to run out of people to blame things on. They're always going to find someone else or, or to blame something on, and they'll never realize their own faults by doing that. Anyway, um, I guess overall, I mean, I was kind of upset. There was like almost no foreign policy at all was discussed during this debate over an hour and a half, and no foreign policy. I mean, that's kind of tragic. Um, it seemed like most of the discussions were about who's going to pass out all the free stuff, you know, who's going to be the plunderer in chief. Uh, nobody really spoke about any specifics of how they're going to pay for anything. There was some class warfare, sexism and racism stuff that came up. And uh, those were like the prominent themes. Uh, Bloomberg, basically the new Democratic version of Trump. He's not really a Democrat. He's not a Republican. He's, he's basically an autocrat. He just wants to control everything, right? He wants to be able to tell you... Uh, what everybody has to do and what they can't do, what size soda you're allowed to have, that kind of thing. I mean, under Bloomberg, the government would become more fascist. And under Bernie Sanders, the government would become more socialist or communist. I mean, that, that was kind of like the gist of the debate, I thought. And I guess I have I have a individual sum-ups, but do you have anything else you wanted to add? No, I'm just, I'm just thinking about the foreign policy part. I, I don't think it's a topic that really works well right now for them because even if you disagree like like you have before we talk about the optics and how things look well foreign policy wise i mean we we have a big military sometimes it looks good sometimes it look, doesn't look good but isis there's been no real attacks these last 4 years isis has dwindled down we've killed these big leaders and you know and and uh, we have had no real retaliation from them like they they thought world war 3 was going to happen at the bases you know when iran was coming to strike but they didn't really do anything so nothing has looked super bad under the trump policy for you to criticize that that uh, the viewers are going to really buy so i think it's a topic they don't even feel like going into right now i think it's sad that they didn't talk about it because they had in other debates, and I kind of wanted to see what Bloomberg was going to say about ending the wars and bringing the troops home, but it didn't even come up. So, yeah, anyway, I guess to sum things up on some of these people, uh, Bloomberg, I would say, was a disaster. Buttigieg was inauthentic. Klobuchar, no foreign policy experience. Biden is old and senile and frail, out of touch and non-existent. Elizabeth Warren, a uh, compulsive liar, and I have a plan for that. Bernie Sanders, uh, consistent communist and socialist, right? I mean, he, he's authentic when it comes to socialism, but he's really just a fraud because we all know he's a millionaire with three houses. 
I mean, he's another career career politician, and he he wants. It was uh, Bloomberg called him out on that part, and he said, "Well, you know, we must be doing great as a country. The the number one socialist in the country is a millionaire with three houses." <laughs> it was kind of funny, and he his response made no sense to it either. I mean, Bernie wants this revolution to be Trump, free everything. I mean, it seems like he can he can try to appeal to everybody in his party, uh, except the large money donors. Right? That he's just. Those people are not interested in him. So, I mean, other than Trump, I think Bernie was the big winner of this debate, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so. Okay, guys, thank you for listening. And let's remember to keep those fires of liberty burning bright. Yeah.